You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. This growing TV brand now launching Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? But the, the funny part about it is all you hear is sources say. You never hear a, a player say it. And I think if a player had a problem with anything, that they would. That's how I feel about the situation. Um, and unless everybody in my past locker room was just that fake, I don't think that I was that big of a problem at all. Um, even after um, I was moved, I still had great conversations with them, wishing them luck um, because they're incredible players, but even better human beings. Uh, I'll leave it at that. You know, All the sources and the sources say, I'm pretty sure the sources still say here as well. You really wouldn't know who I am unless you're around me every day. And for the most part, that's why I don't worry too much about um, what everybody says. If you know me, if you're around me, you know my heart, and you know um, how I go about what I go about. Um, I, I love my teammates. Um, I don't think there's too many of them that'll tell you that I'm a bad teammate, but um, I mean, people get whatever they want to say out. It is what it is, but I think I'm a, I think that I'm an incredible human being, teammate, and um, I'll show that to the guys that are here. That, ladies and gentlemen, was Jimmy Butler from his introductory press conference in Philadelphia today. And in case you swerved off the road wildly, I'm going to play it for you one more time because the last six seconds of this 33-second sound bite clip, whatever you want to call it, are magical. You really wouldn't know who I am unless you're around me every day. And for the most part, that's why I don't worry too much about um, what everybody says. If you know me, if you're around me, you know my heart, and you know um, how I go about what I go about. Um, I, I love my teammates. Um, I don't think there's too many of them that'll tell you that I'm a bad teammate, but um, I mean, people get whatever they want to say out. It is what it is, but I think I'm a, I think that I'm an incredible human being, teammate, and um, I'll show that to the guys that are here. Only one thought came across my mind when I heard Jimmy Butler call himself Manny Hill. An incredible human being, and I believe the phrase was a great teammate. I quickly scrambled to the Google machine, and I entered the words delusional and definition, and I found it. Delusional, characterized by or holding idiosyncratic beliefs or impressions that are contradicted by reality or rational argument, typically as a symptom of a mental disorder. There you have it. Jimmy Butler, on the way out, actually called himself... A fantastic human being. He's gone. Thank God. Tibbs was the only one that knew that this guy was a complete fraud, and he's taking his act to Philadelphia now, and I'm not saying he won't win. I don't think he will, but I'm not saying he won't win. But after hearing that press conference today and how he tried to paint this as just another day at the office where it didn't work out with the Minnesota Timberwolves, we no longer have to put up with this complete pain in the ass which is all that this guy turned out to be. A complete pain in the ass. There's nothing more there. He brought you 
He brought you one season of pretty decent basketball. You made the playoffs, I get it, but he also missed substantial time. And, and this guy, for what we thought was coming here, turned out to be one of the biggest frauds that I've ever seen. And now he can take his fraudulent act to Philadelphia and try and convince those bozos. The only thing is, Jimmy, I warn you, if you get unhappy in Philadelphia, yeah. they will throw things at you. They will not just boo you. You will be hit by flying objects, which could include <laughs> beer cans, full beers, car keys, I don't know what. All I'm saying is if you pull the same bleep that you pulled here in Philadelphia, you are not going to be just booed and people are going to cheer when you score 33 points against Cleveland or 32 against the Lakers. They will turn on you and throw crap at you. And at this point in your life, if you do it again, Jimmy, you deserve it. You think you're a great human being. I'm done. Well, you know what? I don't I don't think they'll actually throw. They don't really throw things at people at Sixers games. They do They do at the link. If they're mad enough, they will. They'll throw them at Flyers. People throw things at Flyers games, don't they? If Jimmy Butler takes this same act and pulls this same thing in Philadelphia, <laughs> I cannot, I cannot be town, responsible yes. for what he gets hit by, and I honestly don't care at this point. You know the word that comes to my mind when I think of Jimmy Butler now is, you know, aside from him being a terrific player, vanity. Vanity. Yeah. yeah. Well, he is, he, he is extremely, and there's nothing wrong with being proud of being good at what you do and taking pride in what you've done and what you've accomplished but he is a guy that and me and Myron talked about this last week when Myron was was filling in for you and Judd last week he, this, this goes back to the Terrell Owens comparison where they have to let you know how good a teammate I am and how good a player I am and how hard I work and you guys are all going to listen to me and look at look at how hard I've been working instead of just Working hard and letting your actions speak. You know where we for missed what it. You for what you've done. You know where we missed it completely, and I fault myself because I've covered the sport for a long time and I didn't see it. You remember when he got here and announced he loved football? And I want to say one Wide of his receiver. first and one of his first press conferences, he's carrying a football around. And I told you this. I heard him. I heard him in the locker room a couple of weeks ago after a game talking about his good pal and clearly his hero, mm-hmm. Antonio Brown. Yeah. And I said, you you are? You're him. You you think you're him. You are a diva, pain in the butt, and you, and this is, the issue is guys like that think that's how you win. And they have, and that means they have no idea how to win. And I think in Philadelphia, he's going to run into the same problems he did here. I think the only chance that Jimmy Butler had of being ultimately as successful as he thinks he wants to be, but actually doesn't, would have been to go to like the Lakers where LeBron could have just said, sit down, shut up, and do this. And he would have. Mm-hmm. He would have. But now with Simmons and Embiid, he's going to run into the same problems, which is he's he thinks he's going to be the alpha. And diva-wide receivers are not alphas. They're pains in the behind. Mm-hmm. They are extremely needy. They aren't necessarily winners at all. They have good moments and bad, but ultimately... They're the type of guys who you look at and say, was it worth it? And across the board, most people say it definitely wasn't. That's what Butler is convinced he's Antonio Brown. Now, the problem is this. Antonio Brown is really, really good. Pain in the butt, but he's really, really good. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler is injury prone, really good. He's an injury-prone guy who's really good. He's not really, really good. He's not a top-five player. He's not a he's, right. he, he, he's not top-ten player. Judd, he's not even the best player on his current team now. Yep. Embiid's a better player than him. But he's going. And I hope, and I hope Jimmy realizes and he's going to wear him down. 
He's going to wear him down because the I act. Don't know. I think he's going to try. I think he's, he's going to try. He's but a I don't think destructive force because I think Embiid's a different. No pun intended. He's a different cat than cat. I swear to God, there okay, was no but, pun intended there. But when? But, but when's the last time Butler, as we know him now, when's the last time the act has worked? The act oh, worked. It's in, never worked. The act worked it's in Chicago worked. when he was when he could be patted on the head and told to shut up. But since he became what he considers to be an alpha veteran, when has this act worked? It's never worked, and, and it's not going to. But I think I don't. I think he realizes that if he screws this up. Then everybody will be looking at him. No, nope. like Jimmy. Completely disagree, Manny. Guys like that have no. Mm. They, they don't have. They don't have the filter in their brain to say that. Well, I, 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 I think that he will look at this because he, he's not. Because I don't think he's a stupid guy. Like I don't think Jimmy's a. Jimmy's a smart guy. I think he knows if he screws this up, especially with him being at the age that he is now, and he's looking. For, he's going to be looking for a max contract. If he messes this up. If he messes this up in Philadelphia, he ain't going to get a max contract. He's not going to. Well, here's here's what I think is going to happen. He's not going to mess it up this quickly, and so so I think he'll be a decent sport for the rest of this year. I but think it, it will be interesting to watch. But though, he's if get, they don't go to the finals and they get beat by the Celtics or somebody in the playoffs. But what's going to happen, I think, is, is the Sixers made this trade with the plan then to re-sign him, which they will mm-hmm. do to a max contract, which I think three years in they're going to regret because he'll be hurt. But nonetheless, once he gets that max contract, he's going to go back to being the butler that we just saw, which is which is somebody who most teams can't tolerate. They can't. But I, I've covered enough guys where I don't think guys like Jimmy Butler, wide receiver types like him, not all, but some like him, they don't have the filter in their brain to understand. It's not that they're dumb people, but they don't have that ability to process, I can't continue to do this. It's what they do. They love drama. Mm-hmm. They thrive off drama. Is drama is his? It, it's his life. He he loves to create these problems. Mm-hmm. It's what he does. So it's not about being dumb. It's about it's a drug, and he needs that drug. He is who he is. But yeah. I also think that his antics are not going to be tolerated in Philadelphia the way they were tolerated here. And then how's it going? And, and, and then how's and, it going to work? And not only will they not be tolerated by the head coach in the front office, they're not going to be tolerated by those. Like, Joel Embiid is is different than Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. Joel Embiid I, is, and I hope he, I is hope a he confident guy, and he plays defense, and he's... Like, Joel Embiid is a different sort of beast if than I, Carl Anthony Towns. If and I, Cat is great, but... If I were the Sixers, I would, I would tell Joel Embiid, I would say the first time... As part of this trade, the first time that Jimmy does something that you don't like, lay him out. Seriously. Lay him out in the locker room. Punch him. Punch him right in the face. Punch him right in that pretty little face of, of his and let him know who runs this place. Because guys like that will cower back then. But I would. I just punch him. It's what he wanted here. He desperately wanted Carl Anthony Towns or Wiggy to punch him. And nobody ever came close. I don't know if I, I don't want Joel Embiid punching me. Well, you don't, and I don't either. <laughs> but what I'm encouraging, what I'm encouraging from uh, for the success of the team standpoint is lay him out, punch him right in the nose. First time he does anything you don't like, and when he comes to me and whines, I'll say, Jimmy, this really is not your team. Mm-hmm. Too bad. It will be an interesting dynamic to see how those on the basketball court. I mean, aside from the personalities, but on the basketball court, how that will. Mix well together because Ben Simmons needs the ball in his hands. Ben Simmons is not a spot up shooter. 
Ben Simmons is not going to be effective if Jimmy Butler's sitting on the wing playing isolation hero ball and Ben Simmons is just standing there. Like, Ben Simmons needs the ball in his hand so he can drive and create for other people and finish at the rim and all that stuff. And Jimmy's going to need to sort of take a step back and play off the ball a little bit more. And that will be interesting to see if Jimmy is actually going to be up for that. And do you believe for one second that Jimmy is going to be able to process that and give up that control? Initially, I think it's I think at the start he will, but I'd be interested to see how this team is looking in April and May when they're in the playoffs and trying to go to the finals. I'm most curious, actually, about the start of uh, 2019-20 when he's got the big contract, when he thinks this is his team and that he's made his mark and that he tries to tries to assert himself. And if you're right, Embiid says, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. And Jimmy doesn't take it well. What happens then? And I think Jimmy loves that because I'll go back to what I told you before. Jimmy loves drama. He thri- He's a teenager. But he I'll tell thri- you what. He thrives off the adversity that he creates himself. Wide receivers do this all the time. That's why Diggs and Thielen are such exceptional people. They don't do it. Right. I'll tell you what, though. If they do, if Jimmy is on his best behavior... They're going to be really, really, really good. They're going to be really, really good, the Sixers are. If he's on and he acts right, and I understand that that's a big if, considering what we've seen in here and in Chicago, they're going to be really, really good if Jimmy's on his best behavior. Jimmy Butler is only happy when he's unhappy. That's his problem. <laughs> I'm dead serious. He is perfectly, Jimmy Butler's day is made when he is unhappy. And when things are going along smoothly, so let's say they create the situation that you just said. When things are going along smoothly, if things are going great in Philadelphia for him, he will become insufferable and absolutely hate he'll that. Find a way to, he'll find a way to stir something up. All right, let's uh, <laughs> take a break, come back, talk some wild. Tom Chorsky of Fox Sports North joins us. Also, we have uh, three pairs of wild tickets to give away today. We will, at the top of the next segment, we will give away two tickets. Wild Stanley Cup champion capitals tonight. So be listening. Mackie and Judd, Phil will join at four right now. Zolgad and Manny, TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oh. It's just what they'll be expecting us to do. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 169 northbound, we've got a crash near New Hope. Uh, That's between 49th Avenue North and Bass Lake Road. So be on the lookout for that crash. It's causing a few minutes on your commute. Judd? Stahl recovers a loose puck. Centers just out of the reach of Granlund. Now Granlund scores! At the line, Tarasenko. Right in! And a save! And the rebound shot wide! As Dubnik makes a couple of big saves and at the buzzer, another save! And the Wild hang on and win 3-2. Talk to Tom Chorsky in a second here. Uh, Wild plays Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals tonight. You can uh, catch that game Fox Sports North, which, of course, Tommy does plenty of uh, studio work for. But before we do that, we have two tickets to give away to that game tonight. You can win them by calling 651-646-8255, but you must answer this trivia question correctly. Who did the Wild get its first franchise victory against in 2000? So first ever, who did the Wild get its first franchise victory against in 2000? 
651-646-8255. First person to answer that trivia question will win two tickets to see the uh, Capitals play the Wild tonight. Joining us now is Tom Chorsky, Fox Sports North, sir. Appreciate the time. Ten points on a seven-game road trip is pretty darn impressive, huh? Yeah, it really was. Um, I will say it was probably the best um, long road trip that a team could ever have because they came home twice during it, uh, and then the back-to-back games that they had were L.A. and Anaheim, which are would be like playing in Minneapolis and St. Paul, so... Sure. Um, there, there was some, there was some ease to the uh, the ten day seven or whatever it was. Uh, yeah, the, the the long road trip that was. What? So at, at this point in time, the Wild has the second most points in the Western Conference to uh, the Nashville Predators, Tom Chorsky, and the third most in the league. Are you are you buying stock yet? I mean, because I always go back to, to those first four games when this team looked old and slow, and I thought they're in huge trouble. And since then, they played well. But at what point in time, or what do you have to see specifically to go from they're playing well to to this is a really good team potentially? I say potentially. Yeah, well, I'll go back to kind of what you started off with, and and probably do a better job of answering it. But um, you know, winning on the road was one element of of this team that was was not was lacking a little bit and now um it seems like potentially they will um be better on the road than than they were in the past um you know they are a team that relies on on their depth and their balanced scoring and right now they've got it going so the other thing you kind of need to see is that um over the next probably you know 10 15 games can they on any given night get scoring from you know from any given line or at least from some supporting scoring from uh, the the third and fourth line? Uh, I think the goaltending will continue to be good. Their defensive core, um, knock on wood, if, as long as there's no injuries, I think is as good as any uh, in the league. So uh, you know I'd, I'd buy stock based on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I think it really comes down to. Can um, you know? Can Charlie Coyle start scoring a little bit more? And Nino got a goal on the road, but can he score in a little more consistent pace? Uh, Greenway, you know, started getting a couple points. Can that carry forward? Er- Erickson X. Those guys um, need to support the likes of uh, of Zach Breezy and Granlund, who are uh, who are tearing it up pretty good. Yeah, Tommy Granlund has eight goals, five assists in the past ten games after having a two goals and three assists in the first seven games. Uh, the scoring pace is probably a little too aggressive to ask to keep up consistently for Granlin. But what's your what's your theory about how we can get this guy as we're seeing him play right now more often? Because there do see there do seem to be occasions or periods of times where he sort of disappears in, into the background. And when he's playing like this, it's not that you say, "Well, he's a good player. He can be an outstanding player." What do you think the key is for that step to be for him to consistently uh, play up to his potential in Grandland? Yeah, I think uh, you know the knock on him at times was that he wasn't shooting enough, getting enough pucks on net, or just taking taking those opportunities to shoot the puck when he could. So I think we know that he can always make a play and, and set guys up, and he's very creative that way and, and has the vision and the skill to, to make those plays like we saw him make the Jason Zucker uh, the other the other night, uh, you know, and those guys are clicking. So I think for 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 Granny to to play at this level and kind of stay at that elevated level of, of scoring and providing offense, 
Uh, he needs to sort of consciously balance out his his playmaking and uh, and also getting shots on net, and that means taking taking those opportunities when they present themselves, and then also. You know, he's not. He goes to the hard areas and he gets in traffic, so he has to continue to do that and score. You know, for for guys to score consistently, you're going to have to score goals kind of in a variety of different ways. And and for him, it'll be you know some of those will be Zach Breezy type goals around the around the front of the net, and then other times he'll he'll make some sort of spectacular shot, which we've also also seen this year. Breezy lo- looks great so far. He looks, he and he plays a style of game where there certainly is the potential for him to get hurt, but Tom Chorsky, right now he looks like the Prezi of four years back. I mean, I, I really thought at a point last year where where we were never going to see that player again, but so far in these past two or three weeks, Zach Parisi looks fantastic, I think. Yeah, whenever you you know have an athlete who's gone through a back surgery and had back problems, I think you uh, you're, you're a little you're a little gun shy to think that uh, it's going to turn around and get back to 100 percent for uh, for a prolonged period of time. He's he's saying that uh, he's had some work done uh, on him, you know, in the in the realm of I guess soft tissue and hands-on type massage, if you will, and and some other therapies that uh, have. Have made a big difference, and um, if he believes it, and the way he's playing, yeah. he certainly. The other thing that probably has him, you know, if he, if he was playing in pain for two and a half seasons, and then removed from the rest of that season, um, you can imagine how how great he feels to be back at 100 percent, hopefully pain free, and that's what it seems to be. And then you mix in just a little bit of of maybe him knowing that he's getting a little older, and people might be questioning. Uh, if he can come back, and he seems like the type of competitor that will um, will set out and make it a make it a mission of his to prove everyone wrong, um, and and to keep going strong. So th- there was a cry throughout the past two years, I, I think, uh, for Dumba to be traded. People say oh, he makes mistakes, and he t- you know he turns the puck over in, in his own zone, and it cost the wild goals. And that was the one thing I said is my contention is defensemen with Dumba's skill set are hard to find, and you don't trade them. And I think we're now seeing the payoff because Dumbo looks like he's taken that step now, and and this guy, at the rate he's going, I don't know if he'll be an all-star this year, but I think he's definitely on track to make that turn into being an elite defenseman in this league. Yeah, I uh, I, I was in the camp of, of questioning, you know, at what level he could, could get to um, a couple of years back, and the one, the one thing I did wonder was, is, is he just not, you know, is he not that cerebral, um, or is he just immature? And I think, I think what we're finding out is that he was just kind of younger and immature, mm-hmm. and now he's starting to mature, and uh, he's along with, you know, maturing age-wise, he's starting to, you know, figure out a couple things, figure out the game at this level, and when he can, and he's got the skating ability, and he's got a great shot, so he's figuring out how to join the rush, jump in the play. Um, because of his skating ability, he can get up the ice. And then if he's now that he's matured, um, you know, mentally, he, he knows when he should um, jump back out and, and, and he can skate and get back on D, you know, and you hardly notice that, uh, you know, that he was gone maybe in some instances. And then that shot, he's, de- you know, he's developed a brand uh, with that one-timer on the power play. It's just a heavy, heavy shot. And so he starts to have these all-star elements that, a right-handed shot defenseman with that type of a, a shot, mm-hmm. you know, starts to be um, a weapon on the power play, 
and then you mix in his ability to jump into play, and he's got a little moxie to his game as well. And you know, he will he will drop the gloves if he really, really you know sees the the need to. So he's a pretty you know he's a pretty valuable defenseman at this point, and seems to be uh, earning his keep, if you will, or earning that earning that new contract. If there, there's a main concern, Tom, that, that you still have about this team right now, what would that be? Um, you know, I think it goes back to if 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 the top six scoring dries up, you know, are they gonna are they really gonna struggle to score, you know, more than a goal or two a game and and start losing games, you know, two to two to one, three to two, one zero, because they really need to they really need to have scoring, you know, up and down at least the top three lines, I, I, I feel to to consistently beat the teams not only in their division but, you know, in their in their conference and um, other than that, like I said, the goaltending, you know, Dubnik looks to me like he's really competing hard and, and finding pucks and seeing pucks and making huge saves. And, and then when Staylock has had to come in, he's been good too. And so I think the team feels really good about that tandem, and they feel really good about their six defensemen. Um, it's a, it's, it's those, those five and six guys, um, Patteron and, and Nick Steeler, uh, they they're not afraid to put them out against anyone, so there's not any real weakness there. It's it's that it's that scoring uh, that that if it dries up, there'll there'll be a little bit of trouble. Dubnik's playing great, but do you agree with with me? I I, I think that Stalock should play a little bit bit more, and, and I know that he has picked up uh, the back end, I believe, of back to back games. But it just seems to me that the one the one thing goaltending wise that concerns me is Dubnik plays too much, and you get to. February and March, and, and he starts to tire out and goes through the type of slumps that we've seen before. If it were up to you, how, how much do you think Staloc should play? Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Uh, I I think you know maybe what's happening is you know we're at the we're at the quarter kind of at the quarter point marker, approaching 20, 20 games here. You know maybe the idea is, is to kind of get Dubnik a, a, a fair number of games early so he can get into a rhythm or find his game. And then, uh, like you say, start giving him some some spells, a um, little bit, you know, through the mid part of the season, and then you know turn the reins back over to Dubnik. So he's going down the stretch, you know, with playing enough games that he's he's really in the rhythm and in the groove. And and so I think maybe we have yet to see if if they will use Staylock a little bit more in the in the middle part of the of the schedule. I guess is how I would do it. Mm-hmm. Um, like let Dubnik, you know get some games under his belt here, which he's done. Now in games, you know, 20 through 60, let's hand a few more over, or 20 through, you know, 65, uh, put Stalock in there a little bit more often, and then let Dubnik um, go down the stretch and hopefully be fresh and and uh, work some magic into the playoffs. Capitals, 17 points on the year so far. That's second to last in their division. They, of course, are coming off a Stanley Cup championship. As a guy who did exactly that, how dif- how difficult and trying is the year after you- a team wins a cup to try and repeat that success or su- have success at times? Yeah, it's tough if, um, you know, in the Devils' case, they changed their lineup um, significantly. There, that the, there was some turnover, and I think, that uh, that can impact the team a lot if they've you know if they've timed it right where they've they've top ticked players and contracts and and then those contracts expired or they these players were kind of aging out and they wanted to move them out for young guys and they do that um, with the Capitals I think the changing of coaching I think probably has been a big adjustment to, from going from Barry Trotz 
uh, and then moving Todd Reardon up, who's never been an NHL head coach. Um, he's got to find his way a little bit, and the, and the team um, coming off the celebration, I think you like to say to yourselves or you say to the to the to the troops, hey, you know, we're not just going to pick up where we left off. We got to start off as it's a fresh new season. Um, probably easier said than done. You know, you're getting your opponents best because they love nothing better to, to beat the defending Stanley Cup champions. You know, I think the other thing I was thinking about was that, uh, you know, apparently it's tough to be the, the runner-up uh, team as well because Vegas, the Vegas oh, yeah. Golden Knights haven't fared as well Ooh, either. So, they have not. Um, it's, uh, it, it's tough to stay at the top, but I think what happened is, you know, the, 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 the coaching changes was probably significant for them to kind of adapt to, and then Tom Wilson going out may have had some a little bit of impact. It got kind of chaotic when he got suspended for 20 games, and then that got reduced, and he's going to play tonight. Mm-hmm. And I guess, if anything, I'm glad that the Wild are playing them uh, when he comes it back into the lineup somewhat unexpectedly. I think he got a text this morning and told that his suspension had been reduced. But um, And so now he's got to get acclimated, and they have to get acclimated with him being inserted in the lineup. So hopefully that disrupts them a little bit too. But, you know, the Wild are playing great. If they can uh, if they can carry that momentum that they had on the road back into St. Paul tonight and, and get that balanced scoring and, and, and use all six defensemen because the Capitals, uh, even though they haven't had a great start to their season, you look at their lineup and it's an impressive, it's an impressive group of forwards and, and some pretty, if, if Holtby plays well, he's tough to beat too. Tom Chorsky, Ovechkin was doing keg stands on the Stanley Cup. That is, yeah. that, which was fantastic, but I'm just willing to bet that to turn around a few months after that and be like, yeah, I'm just back playing hockey might be a little bit difficult. Yeah, his off-season training might not have been quite as um, <laughs> pure and, and uh, <laughs> effective as, as it would have been. But, uh, you know, God bless him for, for oh, putting yeah. it all out there, blowing off a lot of steam. And, and there's the guy that uh, let's say he has 12 goals, so it hasn't really it, it hasn't affected his uh, ability to put the puck in the net. I don't know how he's playing, um, you know, up and down the rink, but uh, he's, he's still scoring goals, so they have to keep an eye on him. Last thing, strategy question for you. When the uh, Capitals go on the power play tonight, and Ovechkin's standing there in that circle, just waiting to for you know to unleash that slap shot, what should be the penalty kill defensive mode to at least try and, and take that away? Because that's the shot that absolutely kills you. Yeah, what would you do? do? Really good. They do a really good job of you know if you're watching tonight they. Those guys all rotate around, and they've got a couple other right-handed shots that can slide into that spot, and they'll they'll kind of fake like they're you know they're going to slide someone else in there, and then they keep moving, and then before you know it, Ovi Ovi's back into that spot, and they slide it over to him, and and the thing about him is is he's able to hit a puck into the net, you know, a hundred miles an hour, and and it can come at him fast, slow, you know, in front of him, behind, like. It, can, it just has to be anywhere near him, it seems like, and he can get something on it, and it finds its way in. But, you know, with Backstrom, who's really, really crafty uh, out there, and, and Kunetsov, those guys can find Oshi, you know, and if, if you start covering Ovi too much, then Oshi pops up right in the slot, you know, 8, 10 feet out, and they slide to him, and he bangs it in too. So, so And Carlson can slide over, and, and he can hammer a one-timer because he's a right shot too and yep. it's just it's, it's a lot of weapons for four guys to cover and and they execute it so well so i you know i, I there are times when you feel like hey let's just 
let's just take Ovi out of the equ- equation and just go stand by him and and play four on three. Box and, and see one. If we can stop Box, it that way. Box and one. That's what I've always said. Box. Just do that. Just do that. It's it's probably easier said than done, but oh, yeah. uh, it'll it'll be. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to, to stop it because the Wild PK has been really good. Thanks, George. Appreciate the time. Hey, anytime. We'll talk again. All right, take care. Tom Chorsky, um does a great job. Fox Sports North on Wild Games. Who, who won our tickets? Who won our first pair of tickets? Uh, let me go back and look in the... It was uh, Jason who finally uh, got called in and got the uh, correct answer. Two more pairs of tickets to be given away at some point during the show, which goes till 6 o'clock. Manny Hill, what's coming up in your four deep thoughts? Well, you know what? I thought I would have some fun. There was uh, one guy who took some shots at his former team in the NFL over the weekend, and uh, a bad quarterback lost a job and, um, well, two guys actually lost their jobs. Mm-hmm. And another guy was doing his job yesterday and apparently did not know about someone passing away. Whoops. Whoops. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Oakley Dokley. On 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd. What? On 1500 ESPN. We now present Manny Hill's Four Deep Thoughts. All right, Manny Hill. All right, Give Judd. it to me. All right, let's go with... Number one. I know that you be physical with them and let them, and let them have it. They'll fold. Yeah, it's a real sweet win, you know, uh, especially when you used to be there and they didn't want to bring you back. So uh, definitely real sweet. Uh, just have, I'm happy my teammates came out and played, and I love these guys. So it is a little personal. Hell yeah, it's personal. That's what happens when you go cheap. You get your ass kicked. <laughs> that was uh, Tennessee Titans running back Deion Lewis, former member of the New England Patriots, who uh, he and his fellow Titans beat 34-10 to on Sunday. And uh, Deion Lewis, of course, not very happy that the Patriots let him go and uh, they didn't really offer him the money that he wanted. And so I guess now he's feeling pretty good about himself. But my thing is, Deion, you want a Super Bowl with these guys. Yeah, but he's still better. They didn't bring he's, him back. He said, "What is it? What? I mean, but but why? He's, he's got he's making money and he's he's doing all right because he felt like he didn't get the respect he deserved from Belichick and and the Patriots." I like I liked it. I thought it was I I thought it was refreshing because you know so many current and former Patriots are so buttoned up. I thought it was funny, and the Tennessee Titans put a whooping on the Patriots. Yes, they did. That was an impressive Mike Vrabel led Tennessee Titans win. A, a that was of, not uh, a fluke. A couple of former Belichick sort of either assistants or disciples yeah. have put the whoopings on the Patriots this year. But one is going to be fired after the season, and Mike Vrabel will not be. He's a good coach. I think Matt, Patri- nice I think Matt Patricia already is dead man walking when it comes to his head coaching tenure. He is. He was hired for his name and his association and uh, the Detroit Lions. If you're the Vikings, thank you. But they are back to being the Detroit Lions because of that guy. Deion Lewis, 20 carries for 57 yards on uh, Sunday, by the way. <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Peterman picked off. Joseph. Peterman throws across his body. Picked off. Peterman's throw, and that's another takeaway for the Bears. Peterman, and that's picked off. Kyle Fuller has an interception. Nathan Peterman 
We hardly knew you. Well, we did actually kind of know you knew as a guy too much who about knew way too much about somebody who was just not very good at all. The Buffalo Bills uh, released the uh, not very good quarterback who has one touchdown and seven interceptions this year, three touchdowns and 12 interceptions for his career, which is about a season and a half in. You know why guys like that are great? Guys like that, Manny Hill, are fantastic because they are living, breathing evidence of how hard that position is to really play. <laughs> If you're Brady, if I watch Brady, Rodgers, I'm like, well, it's simple, right? I mean, they make it look simple. Guys who are great make very difficult jobs look like they take no effort, basically. And then you see Nathan Peterman play, and you realize exactly how difficult, because he certainly certainly is way more accomplished than you would be or I would be. Mm -hmm. But he's bad enough to show us how difficult that spot is to play. So I am thankful to guys like that who are so horse crap that I have an idea of how difficult their job actually is where Brady and Rodgers and guys like that make it look like it takes no effort. But even with the way the the, the rules are set up in the league right now, how can you be as bad as Nathan Peterman? That's what I'm saying. It's a window. It's a window for us to see how difficult that still really is. Because because he's bad enough that he basically couldn't find open receivers. Gosh. One, two, number three. Today we've made the right decision on behalf of the program. I'm very respectful and appreciative of what Bobby has done for this football program and for the university. In terms of what's happening in this program right now, it felt like we were in in need of a change of leadership. And whether there was dollar signs or not attached to it, it's time to to make that that decision, and I made it. That was Louisville Athletics Director Vince Tyree, I believe is how you say his last name, on the uh, firing of football coach Bobby Petrino, his Second stint with the Louisville Cardinals did not quite go as well, or at least it didn't end quite as well as his first stint did. Uh, And uh, Bobby Petrino is now unemployed. And, Judd, I don't know if this guy is going to get another job. I hope he doesn't. I I hope he doesn't. He he is, from all accounts, he's a despicable guy. And you know what? It couldn't. This couldn't have happened to a better person. (laughs) And and you know who hates this guy with a passion? Mike Zimmer. Yes. Oh yeah. Because. Petrino, Petrino went from Louisville stop one to the Falcons, correct? He went from Louisville to... I thought he went to Atlanta yeah. and, the, and, then and then Arkansas and then after Arkansas. that. You're right, yeah. But Zim was on the coaching staff. Zim was on his staff with the Falcons. 2007. When this gutless Petrino, this gutless you-know-what, left notes on each player's locker stool after, I think, promising him he wouldn't quit mm-hmm. and that the Arkansas... Rumors weren't true. Left notes on all of their uh, chairs, saying, "I have resigned and I'm done," and never showed his face again. And that I think, if I'm not mistaken, Zim did Zim call him a gutless bastard or something? I think so. Yeah, very appropriate. So yeah. it couldn't have happened to a better guy. And I hope he never coaches again. And that's fantastic. And of course, we know how uh, things went in Arkansas and that whole controversy and how that ended. That didn't yep. uh, go very well for him either. Correct. Go number four. I love this. Eddie in Hoboken. What's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up, Mike? What's happening? Hey, Mike, Stan Lee died today. Did you ever meet the guy? What do you think of him? Stan Lee? Yeah, Stan Lee. I don't know who he is. Don't know who he is, no. Jesus. Who is he? Who is he? Who is Stan Lee? He was one of the creators of Marvel Comics. Oh, who cares? 
I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a comic book guy. Is that what, is that who he is, Stanley? The he guy created who, Spider Man. That was his. Oh, uh, created Spider Man. Sorry, I never was a comic book reader as a kid. I apologize. Never. Yeah, it's not a good look for Mike Francesa. Can you um, play it again? Yeah. Thank you, Eddie in Hoboken. What's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up, Mike? What's happening? Hey, Mike. Stan Lee died today. Did you ever meet the guy? What do you think of him? Stan Lee. Yeah, Stan Lee. I don't, I don't know who he Stan is. Lee. Don't know who he is now. Jesus. <laughs> who is he? Who is he? Who is Stan Lee? He was one of the creators of Marvel Comics. Oh, who cares? I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a comic book guy. Is that what, is that who he is, Stanley? The he guy created who, Spider-Man. That was his. Oh, big created thing. Spider-Man. Sorry, I never was a comic book reader as a kid. I apologize. <laughs> never. Hey, Mike Francesa, newsflash: you don't have to be a comic book guy to know who the hell Stan Lee was. Okay. The caller, but the caller was fantastic. Oh, of course. The caller didn't get didn't didn't react like what you don't know. I'll tell you. The caller just said the one word and hung up the phone. It's fan. I love the caller. One more time. Eddie in Hoboken. What's up, Eddie? Eddie. Hey, what's up, Mike? What's up? Hey, Mike. Stan Lee died today. Did you ever meet the guy? What do you think of him? Stan Lee. Yeah, Stan Lee. I don't know who he is. Don't know who he is, no. Jesus. We can stop it right there. I love Eddie in Hoboken. Uh. He doesn't he doesn't tolerate Francesca. Who who spends what? His Four or five hour show. It's a ridiculous amount of time. Half of the time he's sleeping. And he's he works alone and just stares at his phone the whole time. They they show him. He's just looking at his phone and like sending texts the whole time. How do you not Good know for Eddie and Hoboken though? How but, do you not know who Stan he, Lee is? But, My he, gosh. but Eddie and Hoboken didn't tolerate it. He just hung up right. he just hung up on him. It was a perfect response. Oh, I love it. All right, let's uh, take a break, come back. Don't forget. Sometime in today's show, in the remainder of today's show, which ends at 6 uh, p.m. here, Mackie and Judd, we will have um, two more pairs of wild tickets, wild capitals, to give away for tonight's game. Plenty more to come. Phil joins the show at 4. And uh, Mike Golick Jr., as always, on Tuesdays at 4.30. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Gentlemen, to the medicine cabinet. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's take a quick look at your traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. At 94 eastbound, we've got a crash in St. Paul. That's between Dale Street and Marion Street uh, near Kellogg Boulevard. That's causing about a three-minute delay, so uh, be on the watch for that if you're headed eastbound on 94, Judd. Thank you, Manny Hill. All right, we have two 1500 ESPN Twitter polls that you can go vote on right now. Two of them. The first one, now that the Jimmy Butler trade is done, how much are you still invested in the Wolves? The choices are invested more, invested less, or done with them completely. Right now, 59% saying invested more. 27% are done with them completely. 14% are saying invested less. The second poll is the highly controversial Williams Arena, new floor look. Mm -hmm. Now, I have not been to a game yet. And last night, the Wolves got done. I was at Target Center, and it was on in the press room. The Wolves, or the Wolves, the Gophers in Utah was on. Mm -hmm. And I looked up at the TV and thought, something's wrong with this TV. Because it looks like they're playing on a black and white floor, and the players' jerseys are colorful. And I can see the players look like they're in living color, and the floor looks black and white. No, <laughs> nothing's wrong with it. So the 
Mackie and Judd, 1500 ESPN Twitter poll, like the new Williams Arena floor. Phil, actually, and I think at 450 or so, he's going to defend this. He loves it. I hate it. What say you? 33% are with Phil and like it. 36% right now are with me and hate it. And 31% say it doesn't matter to them. I think it just looks extraordinarily weird. And perhaps over time, my eyes will adjust and I'd like to see it in person. But I knew they changed the floor. It was startling to me how different it looked, though. And it looks like it looked like they were playing to me w- without the sound on on a slab of concrete. And I couldn't get over how the players looked looked like they had been inserted into a video game or something. It looked really <laughs> weird to me. It it look it just Jarring. kind of it just kind of looks like like you said it looks like there was something wrong with the TV almost like there like somebody was messing around with the with the color settings you know you get like the tint and the color yes. settings on the TV Absolutely. that's what it looked like it looked like somebody was messing around with that yeah I I perhaps over time I'll adjust to it I don't think so I think it's gonna be it's kind of a weird look. it's too much well and I I saw a picture of it previously in the Star Tribune or something and it looked. Without players, it looked fine. I didn't realize it was going to be such a stark contrast contrast to the players. That's what got me. And it looks like it's an attempt at some like new age look or something. I don't know. It's really weird. I didn't like it though. I, I, I wouldn't. Like I'd, it. I'd be curious to actually I, go to like a game it. at the barn and see if it looks different in person. Because on TV, it just looks really, really odd. It's kind of an odd color. I don't think I've ever seen a a, a floor. That color because it's like a white, like a hazy concrete, sort of, right? Yeah, it like looks a like concrete. It looks like a concrete floor. Yeah, yeah. Your thoughts? Uh, back to poll one on Butler, uh, and I'll go back to it here real quickly. Now that the Jimmy Butler trade is done, how much are you still invested in the Wolves? Fifty nine percent saying invested more, twenty seven percent saying done with them completely, and fourteen percent saying invested less. I went last night, and so did you. Mm-hmm. I think done with them completely might win eventually here. It felt like last night, at least that place felt completely dead to me. Like there didn't feel there did not. There was, there was nothing there. I, I thought last night we were bordering back on apathy. I think there's, there were some folks still trying to scream at Tibbs. I, I get that. But I thought last night we were very close to being this. I really don't care. Didn't you? It well, because how many people were there? Well, they announced ten thousand plus, but it couldn't have been more than eight? about six. Oh, I was going to say seven or eight, but yeah, it, it wasn't ten thousand. It was ten thousand tickets sold. It, it was a very, very small crowd, and they were quiet. And you could hear, like you said, you could hear people yelling things out. And I mean, there well, was when and the guy got hurt, right? And then Paris the guy yelled, got hurt, and, and then the somebody guy... yelled out, no, "Maybe we can win" or something like yeah, that. That's and good move. Cat turned around and. Used uh, said said something to the guy and used an expletive, which I thought in that time was appropriate. That's what Jimmy wanted too. I said that. <laughs> that's all Jimmy wanted was to see Cat drop an f bomb on a fan. Jimmy would have said, "I love this cat." <laughs> that's how it should work, Carl. Jimmy would have liked that. Yeah, I heard the two things that I heard in the second half uh, from the press table area last night. Um, one, I heard somebody yell at Tibbs, and it came through crystal clear. But the funniest one was there was some type of misplay. The Wolves goofed something up, and Tibbs dropped an expletive, which basically echoed throughout the entire building. Mm-hmm. And there sat Glenn and Becky Taylor, 
And I've always heard Becky's not a big fan of Tibbs dropping expletives. So if Tibbs wants to push this, go right ahead, sir. Because, uh, yeah, he be- he bellowed, and there wasn't nearly enough crowd noise around that building. You could hear. To fix about. that bellow, to, to not make that bellow very obvious what Tibbs was saying. You could hear pretty much anything that was yelled from the stands last Is night. this just going to go back to... Kevin Love type territory here with with you know Katza Katza that's what it feels impactful like. player but it's just not going to be because I think because I think a lot of people are just done and over this head coach and president of basketball operations I think if if you can get people if if you want to get people back in mm-hmm. I, I think if you make the make the change and sort of go sort of completely turn the page on this. Two and a half year era with Tom Thibodeau, I think people will maybe buy in because you've got some new players now and maybe people will come out and see it. But right now it's just I think you're probably right. Right now it's just it's apathy right now. At least at least in in that in that arena, there's it's apathy. I sense that there is lingering anger at the very end, but that's it now. Mm-hmm. And that's gonna turn into people not showing up and it's it's just going to be pathetic and sad. But you know where we'll be packed tonight? The X. Oh, yeah. Capitals in town to play the Wild. And, in fact, if you want to go, we have another pair of tickets to give away right now. 651-646-8255. Here is the trivia question. Who scored the overtime goal for the Wild in Game 6, Game 6 of their first-round series against the Avs in 2003? Who scored the overtime goal for the Wild in Game 6 of their first-round series versus Colorado in 2003, 651-646-8255. If you know, first person to get it wins the tickets. We come back after this with the fill and toe. Don't forget also, Golick Jr. joins at 4.30, and then the football hour with Collar and Cronin at 5. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability late fall. Subject to change.